are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producer shop talk today we are wrapping up the girly sessions with mr josh Gurley, and I, I wanted him to save the topic that he's probably most known for in commercial insurance circles for last but I wanted to talk about building a niche, and I don't want you to go into all of the secret sauce, but I think we can talk enough about it at a surface level that people will understand the value in doing that, and also the value in having you know, somebody as a mentor or somebody you can learn from that's already been there, done that in this space. So you guys have a pretty unique niche that you and Andrew and Wayland have put together and you and Andrew pretty much, you know, run nationwide at this point. Why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about what led you to start thinking this was a good route for you to go? Like, I think that a lot of times people, you know, understand, Hey, you know, Hey, the riches are in the niches and you know, all of the fun little quips that we can make about it. But at the end of the day, I think that they don't really know like where to start. Like in in, in can't start till you've identified what you actually want to build a niche in. So talk a little bit about what that process was like for you guys. I think there's a big difference in having a niche and having an ideal prospect. Agreed. Because because I think a lot of people when they say they have a niche, what they really mean is they have an ideal prospect. So for example, if you say I have a niche in contractors that have more than more than 15 trucks and you know more than a million dollars in payroll or whatever. Well, that's that's really a it's that's an ideal a, prospect. Yeah, that's what but, I would tell you because yeah. that's what I mean. I don't think I don't think I have a niche per se. Um, I have my ideal prospects defined. I, I mean, I, we've got don't get me wrong, we've got some niche things that we do, like Florida wedding insurance and some of the other things that we do have. You know, market share in, and we do have relative expertise in but for all practical purposes if i were to sit and cross you know lay what we do in our agency over what you're doing you know with your stuff apples and volvos man it's not even close you've got it way more dialed in than we do well and then there are other people out there that have what i call program business so you got ideal prospects you have niches and you have program business and usually program business is where somebody has the pen um, I had a client one time that was looking at buying a pedicab for his restaurant and I couldn't figure out how to insure this thing. So I Googled pedicab insurance and there's this guy up in the North, you know, Northwest and he insures like 80% of the pedicabs across America and he's got the pin. 
And so that's kind of a, a, a program thing that, that this guy has set up. Um, and there are other things like that. But for me, an actual niche is something that has enough prospects for you to go after, but it doesn't have too many. And I think that's a hugely important thing because if you start getting into classes of business that everybody will write, then the, the, the marketplace becomes so crowded. Because if you were to say, hey, I want to write auto repair. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I guess you could make that a niche, but it's so broad that it would be difficult to build a huge name for yourself in the industry. I talked to a guy yesterday. And it's difficult to compete with direct writers who also yeah. want to write that business. I mean, who you're going to be competing against in your chances of success in that that niche are things that should be considered before you go down that road. Yeah, I talked to a guy yesterday that writes theaters, like like actual opera houses and that type of thing. And he said he has over a hundred of them insured. And I and I'll I never thought, hang out with that guy, by the way. He sounds terrible. <laughs> but I thought, well, I think he had a he had like a daughter or something that got really big into theater. But my point is whatever. Like, I thought even worse. A, I, I thought from an insurance standpoint, that's actually a pretty cool idea. No, it is. It is a good niche. Don't get me wrong, but I'm still not hanging out with him. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean, I think you should consider, hey, are there enough of these, but not too many? How many immediate opportunities are you going to have in your area? Because it's not like you're going to wake up one day and, you're, and you say, all right, so I'm going to start this niche and I'm going to 50 states. Let's go. Let's go get a license in every state. You know, the way that we started was, was locally within a couple hours of our office. And then we moved to kind of the whole state. And then we, we went to the states that were around us. And then we started becoming part of trade shows and associations and different things like that. And then everything really just just expanded from there. Um, and so another thing that I would suggest is limited class codes and, and not having a ton of different class codes on the policy. Because the whole other thing about it is being remote. Because a lot of these people I've never met before, I've never talked to, you know, actually in person. And so... You know, we try to do limited class codes. That way, we're not having to deal with difficult, uh, you know, work comp audits and difficult GL audits and uh, and different things like that. And then, and then branding, I think, is a huge thing. We branded ourselves uh, specifically to a couple of different things that we're involved in, and that makes a big difference. And we we actually registered those things with the insurance department. And so, when I call people, I don't say that I'm with HM Advisors. You know, I'll say that I'm with XYZ Insurance. And that way, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you before. And it's Even like, if they well, haven't. Even if they haven't. I made that website like last week or whatever. Yeah. But but the point is, is, is I think branding is, is so important. Um, what else, David? What else do you want to talk about? No, I'm just, I'm interested, like for you per se... How did you in in like again? I don't want you to get into your secret sauce, but what was it that triggered did you decide? You know what? This is something we need to like. How did you identify that? Because my opinion is there's probably agency owners and producers listening to this right now that have a niche opportunity right under their nose and have no idea that it's even there because they've not thought about it that way. So it usually starts with you write one and then maybe you write another one and then maybe you write another one. And after the third one, you're kind of like, <laughs> wait a second, there may be something here. Maybe right. we can do something around this. I'm just, 
I'm interested in your perspective. What was it that that led you to say, you know what, let's double, triple down on this, whatever you did? How did you identify it to begin with? Well, so the first account really came by accident. I mean, I we were in. I had just started with the agency, uh, you know, seven years ago, and Andrew was was getting me going in the business and going on some calls with me, and. We went out and, and got totally rejected by this person. And then there was another company across the street, went, went and stopped in on them, got an opportunity, wrote that account, and then started writing a few more. And by the end of that first year, there was four or five in, in, this, in, in the class. And then we looked it up and said, hey, there's a trade show. And the trade show's in, in two months. So we said, you know what? Let's just go to this trade show and see what we can see. And then we came back from the trade show, we made a website, we did some really interesting things, and then people just started pouring in. They started coming to us, we started building a marketing plan, and then the next thing we know, we started a whole separate brand and separate email addresses and you know, and, and the whole deal, and now you fast forward, and there's quite a few clients, and you know, we have... It's not the biggest program ever, but we have over $6 million in it now. And uh, we've done really well uh, with, with the program. And, and now we have carriers coming to us saying, hey, I want to be part of what you're doing. And yeah. so it, it totally changes the game because when you control enough premium in, in one particular industry, it's, it, you know, I had a huge insurance company that calls me up and they have $30 million in this particular industry. Well, I got $6 million and they're calling me asking for my data. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to work that way anymore. When I had two <laughs> or three accounts, yeah, I'd tell you everything I know. But now today, look, I think I know as much or more than you do. Mm. And so I, it, it just really changes everything. And, and when you call somebody, there's no question that you can't answer. Like there, there's, you know, well, when you all- turn it into submission too, it's viewed with a lot more credibility than. If you're, this is the first or second one you've ever written. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can fill out these supplementals in, in two seconds. Whereas if you had never written one of, one of these accounts, it would take you two days. So obviously that's not going to happen overnight. What would you tell people who are, um, you know, kind of just getting started in a particular niche? I would tell people that they have to be committed to the actual industry. They have to be. They got to be the Zach Brown of their niche, yeah. man. Yeah. We just talked about it on the last episode. Go to work every day. I mean, you know, it's it's like you you really do have to be the mayor of your town. I mean, one of the things that I'm most proud of is within the first two years, I mean, our agency was voted affiliate member of the year for for one of the associations that we're a part of, and it wasn't because I try I came at them and tried to create an insurance program off off day one it wasn't anything like that it was because i was putting out free content every single week to these people i was put i was putting articles in the magazine every single month and people were responding and saying hey thanks for all this information that that you're putting out and i've gotten more business off of just giving away free information to people than you could ever ever believe and then you know, mm-hmm. with with us working with David Lefevre, I mean, we're giving away our free information uh, in a better way than we ever have in, in the past, and it's easier for people to get. And it builds consistent. that trust and that credibility for you. Well, and it's giving you metrics. 
Now yeah. you now you have measurements, right? You've been you, you maybe have given free information out in in past years, but what was the strategic thought process around that and what measurements were you were you using to to advance that marketing message or push it to the next level? You know, I don't know. I don't think you guys were doing anything based off of what I saw. Maybe I eyeballing it a little bit, you know, looking at open rates or things like that. But I mean, now you've got some pretty heavy analytics that you can use. Well, you know the program that we were using before and you know who owns that data. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that good of information that we had, but at least we had something. Uh, you know, I had read They Ask You Answer, Marcus Sheridan's book, and and knew that putting out content was something that was that was going to be helpful. And but but again, we didn't have a way to measure it. We didn't have a, any way to know really who was interacting with us. And uh, and so putting that technology in place was so important. I mean, I'm going to a trade show here in about 30 days, and we've got a whole campaign set up for this trade show. And we have a whole new way that we're going to be entering people into the system and capturing their information. Because in the past, I would go to a trade show and I would come back with 35 business cards. And by the time I got to everybody, half of them had gone cold because they forgot who I was because it took me too long to get to them. And so now with the automation that we have in place and the things that we know to talk about with people, like I can go look and, and there's certain things that we put out that work every single time. Like every single time I put this out, I get X downloads, X views, X clicks. And so those analytics are, have been really important for us as we've, we've built this thing out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think especially with the trade show piece, if you're in a niche that has trade shows, it's kind of a cost of doing business to be at the trade show, right? So you might as well make the most out of it when you're there. I think so many times everybody focuses they have a really good plan on attracting people to their booth and then the wheels fall off the wagon there is no plan for what happens after the fact you're going to have the conversation you're going to make friends you're going to relate to these people whatever and the next thing you know it's the next year's trade association meeting and you're back there and you see them in the booth again but you've done nothing to nurture that relationship over the course of a year didn't really have formal follow-up plans after the fact. I mean, you can, I think that this year, truthfully, more than any year in history, if you're in a niche that is something that has a trade association and they're going to have their conference, this should be your year, man. Like, I think people really, really, really want to do conferences based on the limited number that I've already been to. It's like, people haven't seen each other for a decade and it's only been 18 mm -hmm. months. So there's going to be a lot of activity there. And I think that that's, so that's one thing to keep in mind. I think the other thing is everybody's shopping, man. Everybody's looking for ways to cut costs. I'm not saying to buy cheap insurance, but they're looking for ways to cut costs. And if you can go in with a good strategy and a total cost of risk approach, you should be golden. I think you'll have more opportunity this year than you've ever had in the past. It's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be so big this year that we're bringing Agar too. So instead of <laughs> I don't know how it could get any bigger. <laughs> so ha so having me and Andrew there, um, 
you know, we're going to bring agar because what typically the, the process that we go through uh, without giving everything away is we have one person that walks around and tries to find certain people that we've identified. And then we have somebody. I've been work, that guy. We, we I've have, been that guy before. We have somebody work in the booth. And, and my thing is, is like half the time, both of us are gone from the booth. And we still end up with 20 or 30 cards. And I'm like, what happens if we have a guy at the booth the whole time? So, right. I mean, I, Agar, I just... Agar, welcome to the booth. <laughs> welcome. Well, I, I tell you what, Agar is a, is a, is a strapping young man, former uh, professional baseball player, and I think he's going to do really well. So, uh, at the booth. I'll still get in the box there. against Agar. Tell him to bring me his best cheese. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I think the trade show is, I can't tell you how many accounts that we've won from from trade shows. In fact, one of the things, David, we talked about early on was like literally trade shows were our number one way of getting new business uh, up until COVID. I mean, I didn't have, I mean, I, I still make cold calls. I'll, I'll say that. And, and I make calls to people in the niche, people outside the niche. But there were a couple of years there where we didn't have to make hardly any calls because we would go to three or four trade shows a year. We would come back with, you know, five, five to ten middle market prospects, and we would just work those for that quarter and then just keep rolling it every single quarter uh, fr from then on. So really when COVID happened, it was kind of like, okay, well, what what are we going to do now? So I'm really looking forward to getting back to the trade show. And I think if we can take the stuff that we're doing outside of that, because again, we relied on it so much and, and put the stuff that we're doing at the show with it. I mean, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really cool, really special uh, for us. And, uh, you know, and, and I just know a lot of my friends that have programs and have various niches. I mean, these are people that are doing a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars some $300,000 in new business revenue. Like we're not talking about premium. We're talking about revenue. And if you want Premiums wanna, for show people, revenues the dough. That's what pays yeah. the bills. Nobody cares what your premium is. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and if you want... <laughs> Why are you yelling at everyone today? Because I... Get off my lawn. <laughs> God. No, but I mean, I just think that like, if you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time, you don't have to have your... Uh, your account manager is doing different things. It's, it's not brand new. You, you're not having to figure out who the markets are. Like I can tell somebody can call me. They can tell them I can, uh, they can, you know, tell me what their sales are and they can tell me what they're paying on GL. And I can tell them if it's good, bad or ugly. Mm -hmm. And usually it's bad or ugly. I mean, very rarely is it good. And, and I think hmm. it really from a sales standpoint can help you open up that conversation and just say like, Hey, what is a good deal? Because everybody thinks they have a good deal. I mean, I call people all the time, and, and they say, well, I think I have a good deal. I'll say, well, I hope so. I mean, I, I mean, or like, I really like my agent. He's a good friend of mine. Well, I mean, I hope you like him. I mean, you're paying him a lot of money. I hope you do. But how do you know? Like, how do you really know if you're getting a good deal or not? And they say, well, my agent says I, says I am. I said, well, that, that, you know, it makes a little bit of sense to me. I said, but what is, what is he comparing to? He's comparing to the other people in town, comparing to, I mean, what is the comparison? I mean, what if the bar is at a $10 rate and that's what you're paying and that's what, what you think that it ought to be, 
and that's what he thinks it ought to be. But what if the real number to somebody that really knows what they're doing is five? I mean, what if you're paying double? And and they'll say, well, can you look at it and tell me if I'm paying double? And I'm like, well, that's the secret sauce. So, Well, I think, listen, I think that it's important, though. I mean, that's something that I've always said, right? We can go in and we can benchmark our prospects and our clients. We can benchmark them to industry at large. We can benchmark them to their specific industry, their SIC code. We can do that nationally. We can do that by state. We can do that by the greater Tampa Bay area. But if you're a niche player, how powerful is it if you're able to go in and take that prospect and say, here's where you benchmark against the national average. Unfortunately, here's where you benchmark against our book and the people that are in our program. And that's where the real the real power comes from, in my opinion. Like, I want to be able to go to, even though to me, service contractors, as we talked about, is more of an ideal prospect than it is a niche, I still want to be able to go to that HVAC company or that plumbing company or whoever and show them, this is how you stack up against everybody, you know, nationwide, statewide, and in the city. Here's how you benchmark compared to people before they engaged with us. And here's how you benchmark compared to the average client that's been with us three or more years in your category and be able to show that. Like, I don't know how there's any argument at that point. Right. One of the, one of the coolest things, and, and Andrew actually did this, so I'll give him a lot of credit for it. Uh, this was a few years back. He said, why don't we just send everybody the rates? Let's just send every person in the whole association the rates and see what happens. And and he did. He he sent an email to like a thousand people that had what their rate ought to be. And I think we got I think we literally had so many calls from from that one email of people saying, This this is like half of what I pay. This is a third of what, what I pay. What I mean, is this even real? And uh and we were like, yeah, it's real. And we converted so many companies from, from that particular email. And in fact, I'm, we ought to do it again. We ought to just send it to everybody again uh, and, and see what happens this time. But it is true that, I mean, you know, there are certain classes of business where I would have no idea what, you know, what the rate should be. I would have no idea who the players are. I, I wouldn't know anything. But... Again, when you get in that one specific industry, you can talk about it just like you talk about, you know, the, the Tampa Bay race or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. you're interested in, you can talk about. Yeah, it. you're the expert. And Here's my I, thing, man. I think that if you develop a niche and you started today and this is what you're going to do and you had a way to understand how to methodically do that from soup to nuts, beginning to end step by step, and you have somebody that's a mentor to you that's already been there, done that, I think it's reasonably safe to say that within five years, you'll have a million-dollar revenue book of business. I think that's a safe assessment. Yeah. If you have the stuff you do outside the niche plus what you're adding and going deep in, I think you get to a million in five years with no problem. Yeah, I'm I mean, not saying you, it's going to come easy, and I'm not saying it's going to come free. Well, but yeah, it, it'll if happen. You, if you take, I mean, if you take what we've done in the niche, and that's not all that we do, right? I mean, that's probably 30% to 40% of what we do. But if, if you take what has been done in the niche and you take the business that's been written out of there, 
Yeah, I mean it's it's well over a million dollars in in five years, and so it's not it's not rocket science. But I think the thing that, that what people don't understand is that this this business is not a get rich quick business. It's not like you're gonna get into this thing and and you're gonna make all this money in year one. It's not like you're gonna you know have some magical awakening moment of a of a course or a coach or whatever. And you're going to go from producing twenty thousand in revenue a year to a million dollars in revenue a year. I mean, maybe that happens, but this is a little bit over a long period of time. And but but I think having that roadmap is something that's that's hugely important. And and just having somebody there to say, hey, don't get frustrated. I mean, I can I have a in my Salesforce right now. I have thirty four hundred contacts. 3,400 contacts and about, I got about 100 clients in this space. So, so you think about that and you think like, I have so much farther that I can go. I got, I, yep. I've got more to go than I've already done. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not giving up because I've called a lot of people and struck out. I mean, but at the end of the day, I know that when I get an opportunity, my close rate is going to be 95% or better. There you go. There you go, sir. Yeah. I don't know what else to say other than everybody have a good weekend. Gurley, thanks for the sessions, man. Yeah, man. Hey, it's fun. I love being a part of this. I can't tell you how much this has done for my career and uh, how many people have reached out to me. I've had the opportunity to encourage a lot of folks and uh, met some great insurance company people because of this. You guys are doing great work, folks, and thanks for having me. I guess we'll keep the podcast for another month or two. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.